Hi, everybody. Adam Cook from Campus Inc. in the NIL store. Want to say real quickly, thank you so much for listening and joining us on this journey. And as a reminder, if you ever need any custom merchandise, youth jerseys, camp t-shirts, whatever it may be, you can always find us at campus.inc. And of course, for all your NIL needs, nil.store. We're going to jump into the episode. I hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. What's up? Welcome to episode seven of the NIL show. I'm Adam Cook with Campus Inc. here with Sean Ellenby. We are joined by a very special guest today, uh, McKinley Mack Crone, goalkeeper from Alabama women's soccer. So we can't wait to uh, get started with that conversation. But uh, a couple things about Mack. Um, you know, she was one of our, our earlier signings in the NIL store. Um, we were really excited because of, of just her uh, tenure in the sport, what she's been able to do for women's soccer, for goalkeepers in particular. Um, she has quite a, a very successful uh, career resume um, that spans all the way back to district champions, uh, all Metro teams in high school, um, spent some time at, at Oklahoma, spent some time obviously um, in Alabama. She's spent some time uh, at, at training camps with the pros. Um, one of the things that I think is is really incredible uh, about Mac is that she leads the conference in minutes played. Um, that's something, you know, longevity is, is, uh, something that's really special. Anybody can do something great once, but to do it time and time again is something unique. So Mac, thank you for joining us. We are so honored and grateful to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Longevity in years and minutes played. Yes. So, um, fun fact, uh, at the end of this year, hopefully, um, I will hold the record for most minutes played collegiately um, in women's soccer. No way. Yep. So if this Heck year yeah. is planned, I will be able to hold that record. So I'm super excited about that. I love, I, who knew we were sitting with the collegiate women's soccer Cal Ripken, right? Like, this right? Is, <laughs> this is epic. It's amazing. I love it. Run down the years of, of exactly how you got all these extra years. So you've got the COVID year. We know that's one. Mm-hmm. And then so, did, were you out injured for a year? Yes. So it was kind of a weird situation. So I, I played my first two years and then my third year, I had dislocated my kneecap right before the season um, and rehabbed it and was still having some pain with it. Um, so I played in one and a half games that year. So technically I played in a season, but it was before the point of like no return basically. Um, and so I was able to like earn a red shirt back from that year. And then that actually, after that semester was when I transferred to Alabama and then a month and a half later, COVID hit. So (laughs) and everything changed for the listeners that, that aren't, uh, aren't up on, on all of the, uh, compliance and eligibility rules. The NCAA does have an, uh, an option, you know, injuries happen, um, eligibility changes. And so if you have uh, an injury early on in the year without logging a certain amount of games, uh, you do have the option to actually go back and retroactively redshirt and not use up a year of eligibility. And then obviously, you know, with COVID and everything going on, uh, the NCAA did a really good thing of, of allowing student athletes that were, were missing a year of competition as a result of uh, COVID protocols in place to retain that, that year of eligibility as well. So, um, I'm just personally curious, how how has that impacted your uh, your academics? If you don't mind sharing, are you are you like is this your third master's degree you're going for, or what? <laughs> how does that work? 
<laughs> so I just graduated with my master's in marketing data analytics. Um, and then this fall, I'm just taking some classes that I'm interested in for the first time, really. Um, so I'm taking like a cybersecurity course and then a communications course um, because my plan is to play professionally after school. Um, I didn't feel the need to go for another degree and cram it all within <laughs> six months. <laughs> you have such a, a wide range of experiences. And in our, our conversations with you, you know, via text, one of the things that has always struck me, struck me about you is um, the way that you kind of approach your perspective to things. Uh, you have a very wise and, and kind of uh, measured approach. And I think what you just said right there is is a perfect example of that. You know, you, you got a master's degree in uh, marketing. And then as you go into, hey, what are some fun classes I can take? I'm sure you chose some cybersecurity, cybersecurity, mm -hmm. just thinking about where the future of the world is going, right? This has got to be a good thing yeah, to, exactly. to be familiar with. You just launched, or we recently just closed your first launch. Um, mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about what that, that merch was about and, and how that, that came to be. Yeah. So for me, um, before I kind of decided on any NIL pieces, um, for me, ultimately, like giving back to the game that developed me into who I am today was more important than any money that I could be making off of this. And so I knew I wanted to make an impact with whatever I was going to be doing um, and just change, help change the future and be a positive role model for future soccer players and just young athletes in general. Um, and so for me, this shirt kind of tied in with a lot of the, um, the unequal pay and the unequal amounts of viewers that they're currently also seeing in women's soccer. And so this was kind of like taking my position and combining it with the, maybe some of the off the field things that I'm really passionate about and it, in a simple and fun way. And I like puns a lot. So I thought it was a cute way to kind of throw all those together. I remember when you sent that over, so your shirt says keep, and then it has her in Yeah, actually I actually have it on. Um, almost like keeper. Oh, there you go. Yeah, perfect. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That's that marketing degree coming through. <laughs> that's right. I remember when you sent that over, I was like, that is awesome. That's so good. Uh, did it just pop into your head? Was it something you had thought about for a long time? Where'd that come from? Um, so I really wanted a, a custom license plate and soccer was what I really wanted to do for like a long time. And then I was like, well, wait, what if I just threw keeper together? So that's kind of how I came up with it. And I'm currently in the process of like ordering the license plate as well. So <laughs> that's awesome. And from a, from a branding and marketing standpoint, like you're just, you're really good at um, finding new ways to share um, your merch and reach new audiences and uh, you're excellent on TikTok. And I'm just curious, like in the TikTok world, was that something where you've just kind of, was it something where you've always been comfortable being on camera? Is it something where you've just kind of had to get more comfortable or, and you're like, screw it. Like, um, this is fun. I'm going to have fun. I don't care what others think. Or what's your, what's your thought process as you're doing stuff like that? So when I was um, in middle school, I actually used to compete for like video competition um, creation oh, nice. and stuff like that. So I'm like proficient in Final Cut and Motion and a few other editing tools. And so when TikTok 
came, well, it was bought, it was ended up, it was from Musical.ly originally, which is like the original app. Mm-hmm. And then um, TikTok yeah. was created and that's what kind of came about. And I actually joined in 2019 because um, I, because I was hurt and I was bored and I was like, well, a couple of my friends are on it. Why not? And then I started making videos because they were funny. Like I, th- that was the summer that the Women's World Cup was. So I was making jokes about well, one of the videos I think I made was about how the women's national team was like undefeated going into the final game. Like good luck to anybody yeah. else. So, um, <laughs> but it was more just like, it was, it was fun. And then a couple of videos started to take off and I was like, wait a second, I can, I can make an impact. Yeah. I can reach people with this. And so, um, I kind of started turning it more towards like just soccer related videos and trying to like sneak in the algorithm kind of. So I, I think that's such a cool example or story too. you know, Sean comes from an SID background with men's basketball and he talks all the time, like, you know, a big part of my job was helping, uh, and I know Sean, you're, you're here. You can tell the story. I'm just going to tell it for you. Um, he, he says a, a big part of his job was trying to help student athletes kind of manage their brand because, you know, someday you're going to be able to capitalize or monetize on this either in school or after school. Um, and so for you, it, you know, it seems like you kind of understood that and lo and behold, you know, it kind of coincided with the World Cup year. It coincided when the women's team were, were absolutely dominating. Um, and there's a lot of attention around that in general. And then that builds to a new CBA that that uh, the National Federation is, is um, pursued. And so you never really know, you know, the activities that you're doing, how you're kind of building an audience or engaging in some of these marketing activities. You never really know how they're going to stack up and when that moment is going to strike. And you know, I think that's a perfect example of you being able to kind of just find something you think is fun and, and you're good at and you keep doing it. And now all of a sudden NIL is here and you've got this great following and, and platform to, to kind of leverage a little bit. So a, a lot of people in the, you know, as they talk about NIL, a lot of times say, oh, this is for, you know, the, the, the younger athletes coming up, you know, the freshman, sophomore and, and, and it's this next generation of athletes, you know, seniors and grad students are not really taking advantage of it so much. I know something that's that's really important to you in our conversations is kind of helping the younger athletes navigate this new era. So how have you done that? How has that impacted kind of your experience on on your team as a grad student? One thing like growing up that my parents stressed and my coaches really stressed was keeping a professional image on social media. And so like that's one thing I've tried to explain like to my teammates is, you know, we now live in a world that anything you put out there can be found and just being aware of that. Um, and then the next thing is like realizing that, yes, we are maybe a smaller sport in the big scheme of things. You know, we're not football. We're, we're not the Bryce Young's of the world where they're household names necessarily, but we're household names to like our niche area, which is really cool. And so it goes back to having the performance come first. And so, you know, if you're not performing on the field, then you're not going to be able to take care of and and make sure that your name is out there. Ultimately, like what I try to tell my team is that, yes, you know, NIL deals are great. It's, you know, there are a lot of benefits that can come from it, but if you're not able to perform and be at your best, then those NIL deals won't come. 
um, if you are performing at your best, you know, instead of having to reach out to X, Y, and Z companies, they're going to reach out to you and they're going to be wanting to work with you because you're becoming that household name that, you know, younger athletes and just families in general or people in general want to be associated with. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, when you, when you look at some of the pro leagues, you know, it doesn't matter what sport, you know, it can be the NWSL, it can be the NBA, it can be the NFL, you know, you see these guys or, or these girls landing huge endorsement deals or shoot deals or whatever, right? Like those come as a result of what they're doing on, on the pitch or, or in the gym, right? It's not, they don't just happen to be really good at social media. And then all of a sudden, you know, people want to work with them. It's, Hey, you're, you're taking care of the things that you're supposed to take care of. And then these opportunities are opened up for you for sure. Yeah. That's good wisdom. I did come across a very good Ohio state, uh, men's basketball player this year. His name is Jimmy Soto, who has a massive TikTok following. We're talking like he might even have a million, definitely hundreds of thousands of followers. And he didn't really play out that much, but he has a lot of endorsement deals. So it is possible. (laughs) You just have to have a very, very big brand. But in general. It's a combination of both, right? You know, and I think for some of the bigger sports, you know, football, basketball, baseball, um, you, there's a little more like wiggle room in those areas because they are, they grow up like, like, for example, Bryce Young had his first NIL deal before he threw a football at Alabama. But, like, yeah, right. he grew up being a five-star recruit. Like, people knew his name being recruited. Like, in some of the smaller sports, like soccer, we don't grow up with, like, being a national name unless you're Trinity Rodman, you know. So One other thing that's interesting, we, we've talked about this with a couple of guests before as well, of, like, that's, that's just kind of the market, right? I mean, it, it's one thing to be able to say, oh, well, I, you know, I want that same multi-million dollar car deal or whatever. But, you know, the, if, if you're, um, I played men's volleyball in college, there's no men's volleyball player that's going to get a Lamborghini given to them through an NIL deal, right? That's just kind of understanding mm-hmm. a little bit of where you fit in the market and, 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 and then understanding that in order to leverage it better and open up more opportunities for you. So yeah, I think that's really good. One of my favorite comments that we get a lot on social posts or that I'll see a lot as it relates to NIL is that NIL is ruining college athletics. Um, and so Mac, I hope you can settle this once and for all is NIL ruining college athletics. Absolutely not. Um, having experienced (laughs) both where NIL wasn't a discussion my freshman year, like to where it is now, um, where it's, you know, starting to become a more powerful thing. Um, I don't think it's ruining it. I think there are some areas where it does need to be regulated. Like it, you can't be promising recruits that they're going to be getting an NIL deal. Like you can, sure. You can promise them that maybe they might get one. It's great that if they come to this school, like you're going to have the name behind this school, but that's not, you can't promise. I, I think it's wrong to be able to promise athletes an NIL deal in exchange for coming to their school. I think that goes back against the extra benefit rule. But no, I think it's an awesome opportunity, especially for um, athletes who may need that extra help, you know, providing for their families or just themselves even. It's a great opportunity for them to be able to use them their name in a positive way. I think that's the most important part of NIL is just using it in a positive way. 
people who the people who are using it correctly, like that's who's going to succeed in this field. We always tell the athletes, like when we talk about NIL, when we talk about all oh, NIL deals, they're just that, their name, image, and likeness. It's your name, image, and likeness. You're the one that has to go to bed with it and wake up with it every morning. Like, you know, if you can steward it and manage it in a way and, and, and really see it as how you're letting other organizations use that and, and be a little bit um, more aware or, or diligent in how they're going to use that, uh, I think that's mm-hmm. where we were able to kind of move forward and refine uh, the way that that you know this this NIL era uh, continues to improve is making sure that you know the collegiate athletes are represented well, the universities are rep- rep- represented well, and a lot of organizations are are you know doing their best to to make sure that it's a positive experience for for everybody for sure. How, how has Alabama been? You know, we're we're in Chicago. Uh, don't spend a lot of time out uh, in SEC schools. So how, how has Alabama? Uh, ben, from from your perspective in terms of providing resources and helping you navigate some of this stuff? Alabama is one of those schools that if you ask for it, like they will help you find a resource. It doesn't matter the field, um, especially NIL now. Um, They're extremely supportive in helping us or like organize and and manage NIL deals. Um, Our compliance office is on top of everything. Like they are so good about making sure that we're going through the right avenues in, in doing our NIL deals. Um, and, but ultimately like the, I think the biggest piece comes down to like the communication between all of the different departments. They do such a good job of making sure like, Hey, this is allowed. No, this isn't allowed. Or, um, this would be a good idea or this, this maybe not, might not be good. You can do it, but it might not be the best interest for yourself. And so, and I think, you know, most big programs probably have that same um, help and support um, for their athletes as well. Yeah, and the, the Alabama community in general is just incredible. Like I, I remember when we got into softball and we signed, we had a couple of the Alabama softball girls, and then I looked at the Instagram and it had a hundred ninety thousand followers on Instagram. I was like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just looking at your soccer account. Your soccer account is twenty four thousand, which is still really, really good. Um, and so I, I think that. Uh, what we'll find is is a lot of these uh, programs that have these strong ties to their community are going to provide uh, a lot more opportunities for for kids in NIL as well. Have you felt that support from the community? Alabama is a really cool situation because we don't have any professional like sports yeah. around us. Yeah, everybody everybody's a Bama or Auburn fan, which is um, a, a cool change because I grew up in Orlando where like there's every sport. So, um, when there's not room for every sport, (laughs) but, and then going to Oklahoma, there was still the, um, the thunder out there. And I was there when, uh, Westbrook was there. So like, Mm -hmm. yeah, well, uh, Katie left right before my freshman year. So I wasn't there then, but, um, Westbrook was out there. So like a lot of the big name stuff, like he did, um, I, I am interested. I always kind of go back to this kind of a side topic, but I always think I'm like, what would Baker Mayfield have done with NIL? Like that to me would have been really just a whole different thing. Right. Johnny yeah, Manziel. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I actually saw a poll on LinkedIn the other day that was, uh, I can't remember, maybe Jackson Curtis, if you don't follow him on LinkedIn, he's an interesting follow uh, around the NIL stuff, but he posted a poll I was like, who who would be most successful in the NIL era? Would it be Tim Tebow, 
um, Adrian Peterson, oh, Johnny Manziel, yeah. or um, uh, Reggie Bush. Those are the four four that he had uh, out there. It's interesting. Yeah. They would have been making so much money. They probably it would have been much much harder for them to leave college. Even like, do I just stay? Oh, in co- I, I love college. I'm having a great time. I'm making a ton of money. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, we're gonna see that with with a lot of. I think football players and basketball players who are at the top, 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 mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, earning amounts where it's like, mm, maybe I should consider staying. I don't know. Well, I, I think it's interesting too, thinking about those eras and, and just your experience, Mac, of like, you know, now that social media is out there and you're able to leverage and connect to your fans a lot more, you know, that's a big piece of it. Like you mentioned, just kind of spinning up TikTok organically and, and then the stuff that you're doing with the keeper stuff. Um, it's such a direct connection to that community of, of fans. Um, I think that's, mm-hmm. that's really neat that you're able to do that, especially in a market at, at Alabama, like you said, where there, there aren't a lot of pro teams, um, or any pro teams really out there. Kind of all the attention is on, is on you guys. Um, mm-hmm. that actually brings me to, uh, to my next question. Speaking of pro teams, uh, you have plans, uh, after, after college to, Uh, go pro. That's, that's the goal. I know you've been training with the pride for a little bit. Talk to us a little bit about uh, some of that experience. This summer, I was given the opportunity to train with the Orlando pride. Um, It's just an incredible opportunity to be able to be in there with um, some of the best players in the country. Um, It's kind of cool because, because I am um, a little older in college, a lot of the girls on the team are actually my age. Nice. So yeah. I, um, I get along with them really well, but, um, I'm grateful for the opportunity for not just the exposure to be with the team, but also to learn from them. Um, Aaron McLeod is the starting goalkeeper for them. And I'm really able to take in a lot from her. Um, she's so welcoming one in training, which has made the training just even that much more better. Um, mm-hmm. because, I enjoy, I, I enjoy getting to go out there. I already enjoyed being out playing soccer, but to have people out there, you know, especially in a goalkeeper position where it's, you know, one person plays, obviously I'm not, you know, competing for a spot on their team right now, but um, it, it's, you know, very cutthroat position and to have somebody there who, and to watch the, all three of the goalkeepers on that team have a relationship that is very, um, you know, build each other up instead of tearing each other down. You know, I want you to be at your best. So I have to be at my best. Um, and that was a real, that's a really cool thing to watch, um, across the whole team, but just especially in my position, just the dynamic with goalkeepers. Like, like you said, that's it. There's, you only get one, right. There's one of you that can play, you know, every day. And, uh, so that's really cool. And, and I'm glad that that's your experience. And I'm sure that, you know, those lessons and things that you learn, you're taking back to, to Alabama and trying to set that precedent and that culture and the goalkeeper community uh, there as well. So that's awesome. Some of the strongest brands in the world of athletics are women's soccer players. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of the females on the women's national team, when you think about a Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan, um, Kelly O'Hara with Under Armour. What have you taken from them in terms of how they've built their brand and maybe uh, what are the things you've learned from the way they've done it? I, f- I may sound like a broken record here when I say this, but they're making an impact. They are not doing these commercials because they're just, you know, Megan. I go back to like the Megan Rapino commercial with Subway, but like, hmm. which is kind of random, but 
like people see Subway and they're like, oh, that's a female soccer player. Okay. Like they have that, they make that connection and they're like, they're growing the game. They're making an impact in more than just the soccer world. Like people who maybe didn't watch women's soccer before can see that commercial and go, oh, maybe I should watch that. Maybe I should see her, especially with how vibrant like she can be too, like how out there she can be. Um, You know, it's going to grab people's attention. Um, But all of them, all of the athletes that are, I think, in the women's world, not just soccer even, I think like Sedona Prince does a really good job of making an impact um, through her videos and her actions. So yeah, and all, all the the female athletes that we've been able to work with so far, you know, it's it's been really exciting to kind of see the impact that they do have, uh, the ways that they, you know, it, you are are unique and and you're special in the way that you kind of marry who you are as an individual and and what you can bring to both the team but also the community, and um, a, a lot of our female athletes are are fully embracing that and wanting to you know take this time that they have. And, and use their influence to leverage far beyond just that little circle of their sporting community, which I think is is so powerful and so special. And uh, we're so grateful to be able to uh, just partner with you guys and, and uh, create some sort of platform that, that can help elevate that because that is it's an incredibly impactful thing. Um, so it's been a lot of fun to see that happen for sure. Well, I just want to know uh, if we will see uh, the Crimson Crane from you after a big save this season. Is that going to happen? Oh, I can make that happen for sure. <laughs> I love that idea. That came around after our season was done. So I never really had the opportunity in the fall to to pull it out. So we'll have to be on the lookout for it. That's the real reason you came back, right? You're like, look, I didn't exactly. have the opportunity. <laughs> I got I to gotta get, get one more shot at it. Well, now, now your question was so much better than mine, Sean. I'm, I'm going to ask mine anyway. Um, you know, you, you have a, a, a lot of experience, you know, different universities. You've moved away from home. You know, you've navigated this, this whole process and uh, pursuing the pros. What's a, a piece of advice for, for athletes that are coming up into the new NIL era? You have this unique position of having been there before the NIL, you know, and now you're here in it with a little bit of experience behind you, what, what's your best piece of advice to athletes coming up? Well, fun fact, when I was a freshman, I wrote, after my freshman season, I wrote 50 things that I wish I had known before that year. Um, and I rewrote it this past fall. And I think the biggest thing that I took away that I, cause obviously there were elements that changed um, from my freshman year to after my fifth year um, of being there and NIL being one of them. And mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is that you're a student athlete and you represent the university that you're wearing on the front of your jersey. Like that means more than any NIL deal, any you know money that you're going to make and ultimately like remember that that's why you're there and the experience that you're going to have as a student athlete is just something that you you could never trade in for anything else and so just being able to embrace the moments and not worry about what NIL deals are coming how much money am i going to make 
you know, I need to be reaching out to this company or this company's not reaching out to me or, or my teammate made this, but I didn't just enjoy mm. the moments that you have on the field because there's only so many. And that's, I think ultimately like what I keep reminding myself this summer is like, there's only so many moments left that I'm getting and I want to just enjoy every single bit of it. I love it. It's such a unique small window of time. Make sure you focus on the things that, that are important. I love that. Some windows Mac. are longer than others. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Look, if I could find a seventh year, I really would. Like I've been thinking hard. I don't think there is an option. <laughs> hey, you never know. Crazier things have happened, right? Mac, thank you so much for joining us. This was a, an unbelievable conversation. We're grateful for your time, uh, your wisdom, your experiences. Um, Alabama soccer representative uh, McKinley Crone. We will be looking for that crane after a big save uh, <laughs> this coming fall. It's Crimson Crane. Um, this is episode seven of the NIL show. I'm Adam Cook here with Sean Ellenby. We will see you all next time. Hey everyone, Adam Cook from Campus Inc. in the NIL store. Just wanted to say thanks again for listening and joining us on this journey. And as a reminder, if you ever need any team wear, custom merchandise, rec or youth league jerseys, uh, fraternity and sorority wear, or company merchandise, we're always here for you. You can find us at campus.inc. And of course, for all your NIL needs, nil.store.